heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. Watch you, pussycat! a new series today called Family Circles, and we're all from one. We all have circles that we run in. Uh, we, the room's filled with sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts, grandparents. Um, we, we all have a role to play. We all relate in families. Uh, and it's inside of these circles that God really wants good stuff to grow. He, he wants us to relate in a way that, that blesses one another and allows the, the right patterns of relating to develop so that we can really in, enjoy life, so that we can be actually prepared to launch into life. And the way that life works, the patterns or habits that we develop and the way we treat people in our circles uh, dramatically impact the quality of our lives. And uh, they they also impact the quality of the life of the people in our circles, the way we choose to relate. So in this series, what we're going to look at is particularly, we're going to dig into what the Scripture has to say about uh, relating to our families and where can we go? How, How do we find what God wants to provide for us in responding in the right way to the the people around us that God's given us in our family. So over the next three weeks, we're really going to look at making our family circle the best it can be. And we want to look at common struggles that we have. Each week we'll have one one common struggle. Today we're going to look at expectations. We all deal with expectations. And we, we have to decide if if our family doesn't happen to meet our expectation, how are we going to respond to that? Next week, we're going to dig into boundaries. Sometimes when you blur the boundaries between relationships, things get really gnarled up. And so we're going to look at what Scripture says about that. And then the final week, communication. These are three things that have a major impact on our enjoyment of life, and, and they actually really determine to a tremendous degree um, the, the life we experience and how, how, we, how we handle uh, life inside the circle and outside the circle as well. So we're going to dig into the principles uh, that are intended for us to live out in family that flow over into friendships and other working relationships as well. So it'll have, the, the, pat, the message series will have a broad appeal across the board, but no matter what role you play in your family and in all your 
other relationships. We really hope this, this series is, is a help to you. But the major question that we're going to try to answer today is, how do I respond in the right way when my family lets me down, when they don't meet my expectations? Your family experience may be tremendous. It might be like the Disneyland. Uh, you know, it's a small, it's a world of laughter, it's a world of hope, or it may not. You can't really control what goes on in your family circle, can you? You can only control what you decide and what you choose to do and the way that you respond. So we're going to dig in and figure out how we can respond in a way that really honors God and is a blessing to our family. We all have deep needs that we tend to expect our families to meet. Uh, Security, we have a deep need for security, a deep need for significance, and another need for sufficiency. Uh, we want security. We, we need unfailing love. We, we want it. We want to be accepted for who we are without having to change or earn the acceptance or the approval of the other person. We want to be significant. We want to do something that has a tremendous amount of value. Uh, we, we want to do something that's meaningful and has lasting impact uh, on the people around us. And we want to be sufficient. We want to be able to handle what life brings our way. And what we tend to do is we tend to go to our family and expect them to meet those deep needs in us. And sometimes, if we're not careful, what we do is when those needs aren't met, we decide, I'm going to just, I'm going to extract those needs from my family members. And it feels to the family members, your, your wife or husband or your uh, siblings, or your mom and dad, whoever it is, it feels sort of like going to the dentist to get a tooth pulled without being under sedation. It just, that really hurts. That is not fun. That's miserable. And what happens if we're not careful, our unmet expectations unravel family life. It It just causes it to start falling apart. Much of our activity on the face of the earth is driven by a desire to have these needs met. Security, significance, sufficiency. We, we want to have these needs met. And the question is, who is going to meet these deepest needs of mine? How is this going to happen? Many marriages begin because we found the one. We found the one. This, this one right here, this person, is going to be the answer to my deepest needs. And, you know, you flows along for a while. They're the answer. The honeymoon ensues, and things are going nicely, and eventually the honeymoon ends. And it ends because you figure out that the other person is looking to you to meet their needs. And you're not even paying attention to their needs necessarily. You're thinking... This is going to be fantastic. This person's just going to make me feel better about myself and better about life. This is going to be, it's going to be awesome. And so, you know, the honeymoon unwinds. And there's, I guess that was the sound of a crash and burn. 
<laughs> because you, you hit the floor. I didn't even intend to do that. It just, it just came out. But anyway, things come to the surface that they want to change about you, and you don't feel very secure in that relationship. You don't feel as secure as you did at the beginning, and, and you're wondering. So when the honeymoon's over, what do we think? We think, oh, kids. Kids are the next thing. That's our problem. We just need to have some kids and then the kids are going to just heap admiration and appreciation on us. And they're going to, we're going to have these kids, and they're going to make us feel incredibly good about ourselves. We're just going to feel tremendous about who we are, and we're going to be secure and significant and sufficient. Whoa, there's a word right there for parenting. You know, we're going to... And um, what happens is you have the children, and parenting is one of the most important endeavors on the face of the earth. It, it is really crucial, but it doesn't take long to figure out that your kids don't care about your needs. They do not. They do not care, and it's going to be years, years before you get any positive feedback or admiration or appreciation. And so that's, that's not how it works. It, it doesn't go well when I wrap my heart around my family, my expectations, and I try to extract from them what I need for my security and my significance especially. And when I do that, the relationships begin to unravel. Men and women have different versions of how they lean on their families to meet these deep needs. So I've asked Cindy to come up. She's going to help me this morning, the mother of my children, uh, Cindy Lanthrop, my wife. And she's going to come, and she's going to share uh, here right now the, the woman's version of how we go to uh, extract needs from others. And I'm going to share the man's version, and I'm going to go first because it's only fair, right? <laughs> that, that just seems only fair. Uh, to do that. But we have these different angles on how we go about trying to get these needs of security and significance met. And um, one, one of the ways I've tended to, to struggle with this is um, I, I've wanted Cindy to admire me nonstop. Now, if I'm being honest, that's that's really what I want. Because a guy has a certain version of that significance thing, guys really, it's very important for them to be adequate and to be able to handle what they're doing in life. And so I've really wanted Cindy to admire me. And I, I realized I need to stop. There was, there was a very helpful time in my life when I realized I need to stop trying to use my family, my wife particularly, to meet my deepest needs. That's default mode for me. And I want Cindy to admire me. So say I do a project around the house, and it's like, in my mind, it's like, voila. <laughs> Is this awesome or what? And then she doesn't even notice. She doesn't notice what, what's happening. I have a choice there. And usually I take the choice of, hey, hey, did you notice did you notice what I did? Kind of like a kid comes up, hey, mom, look, you know. 
Um, other times when she offers a suggestion about a better way of doing something, I get miffed because I don't feel very sufficient or significant then. And you spell that insecurity with a capital I. I need to be a bigger man than that. I need to listen to her and hear her suggestions. So those are just a couple of ways that men struggle with that. Cindy's going to share a little bit about the woman version, the lady version. She's a lady. <laughs> yes, I, I do that as well. Um, place unreal expectations on my family. And one of the ways I do that with Randy is um, I have this desire for him to love me, show me that he loves me, and to make me feel really, really special. And so how that'll come out is, is in me having expectations for him to, well, this is one of my favorites, for him to notice that I'm overwhelmed, and then he will intuitively know exactly what I need at that moment, and then he will do it. Or I have another one. Um, he will initiate and plan a fabulous date. And he will choose the right day and the right time. And we'll have this amazing time together. Either just he and I or a special family time as the kids were growing up. Um, another thing that I do, another expectation that I've had at times, is for him to come up with a thoughtful gift that will delight me. And uh, now, ladies, this may seem very reasonable to you, but where this becomes very unrealistic is in this area of he needs to be able to read my mind. And um, Randy is a wonderful husband, but he, has, he just doesn't have the gift of mind reading. <laughs> and so that can be a real problem in our relationship. Um, there's also this deep desire for him to validate my worth as a person. And um, so how that shows up is in me expecting him to stop whatever he's doing and to um, answer my question or listen to my usually very long story um, or help me with something, like move something that I, I'm not strong enough to move or something. Um, also, that comes out in um, when I share an idea that he will agree with it wholeheartedly and that he'll want to do things my way. And, you know, as I was thinking about all this and writing this, putting it in writing, I noticed how many times I saw the words I, me, and my. This, this focus on me and what I want or what I need um, I have noticed when I've chosen to just have that focus on me, it really has been very damaging in our relationship. I would tell you that I'm taking notes, but I know all these things. They're, they're in here somewhere. <laughs> um, when the kids were growing up, we thought we'd share just a little bit how we do this with the kids as well. But when the kids were growing up, particularly, I'd get a little too much of myself wrapped up in their success. And uh, particularly when it came to baseball or soccer, uh, and it's probably a way to validate my former stardom to the current people in my life, that I was actually, you know, a player <laughs> or something. But it showed up in my being 
completely too wrapped up and nervous when the pressure was on them. That's their pressure. I don't, I don't know how that works, but boy, it was, I'd rather be a player under pressure than a parent under pressure trying to deal with that. But uh, I'd get too wound up when something went wrong for them uh, in any situation, really, on the field or at school or somewhere, and I'd get too deflated uh, when they had a rough time. I just I was living the roller coaster with them. That's how it is as a parent. It's rough. But some of that was because I was wrapping my own identity around them, and I was trying to have them by what they did and the way they handled it meet my needs. I have a few as well. Um, when the kids were younger, I had um, this strong desire for them to make me look competent as a parent. And uh, that would come out in expectations of them behaving appropriately, especially when we were in uh, public. And also that they would be growing and learning and developing very well. Um, and then there were other times where I just wanted them to make my life easier. And so um, my expectation for them was to, for that they cooperate, that they follow directions, and that they obey quickly. And, you know, again, these are reasonable expectations, but where they became unrealistic for me was when I was expecting perfection from them and just coming at, it, coming at that from a very um, selfish desire, selfish motives and, that were behind that. Now that they're older, they're, they're bo both of our children are adults now, and um, so that's changed a little bit. And um, I have found that... Um, I have to really battle expectations for them to validate my competency um, as they come to me for you know, advice. Um, you know, there's this expectation that they're actually going to do what I tell them. <laughs> it's a good idea. And that doesn't always happen. And then also just, um, I think I'm just wanting to feel, still feel very significant in their lives. And so at times... Um, I'm just really wanting them to affirm that by just by giving me words of appreciation or um, admiration. And so I have to be really careful not to go there as they're adults now. Thank you, honey. Cindy's going to come back up in a little bit as we share the second half of that as how, how we found the answer when we tend to do that. And when we apply it, it goes much better. But that's a glimpse into our family circle. I appreciate Cindy being so honest and candid. Uh, she's, she's a wonderful mom and, and wife. Um, anyway, that's a glimpse into our circle, and it maybe it's, hopefully it's not TMI, too much information. But, uh, family can be a breeding ground for disappointment, pressure, conflict, when we continually look to the others in the family to meet our deepest needs. This is, this is not only true with our spouses, with our families, but also in most relationships. We get into friendships sometimes and we're looking for someone to meet our needs. We all have expectations that creep in. And before we know it, we have a picture of how the person is supposed to be treating us. And then there's how they really are treating us and relating to us. They aren't meeting our needs. So it's easy just to... <clears throat> lop off the relationship. It's like being in a rowboat. You know, you're on opposite ends of the rowboat, and the boat's taking in water. There's, there's a problem. It's taking in water, and 
you're just you're bailing the water out of the boat, but instead of throwing it on the outside of the boat, you're throwing it on their end of the boat. And what fills the bucket is expectations. They have expectations they're throwing your way, you have expectations you're throwing it your way, and the whole thing is going to start sinking if we don't know what to do with that, how to handle that. Um, if we keep dumping our expectations on one another, the whole thing capsizes. How do we deal with disappointment the right way? There is a tremendous amount of help in Scripture on this, and God really wants us to learn to work through this with His help, with His guidance, with His help. Uh, Rick Warren said in a tweet, I'm, I'm a little late to this, I'm 2,000 and late on this, okay? But I just started following people on Twitter. It's actually pretty cool. I realize I'm totally out of date on this. But um, he, he tweeted this. This is what he said. If you expect anyone to meet an emotional need only God can meet, you set them up for failure and yourself up for disappointment. That is so true. But that's what we do in families. We, we expect the other person to meet needs that only God can arrange to meet. And when we do that, they fail and we're disappointed. Very important to understand what he's saying there, and that's what you find in Scripture as well. Because how do we deal with disappointment the right way? We turn to God when our expectations aren't met. I want to look at Jer uh, Lamentations 3, 21 through 24, because Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, was a man God used to deliver messages to the nation of Israel, God's people, around the year 585 B.C. And there is real help for us in what God says through him to the nation of Israel, to God's people in that day. There's a tremendous amount of help. He writes at a time when the entire nation was going through bitter disappointment because God had promised. The nation of Israel is a picture for us, and the Old Testament is a picture for us of how God wants to relate to us if we decide to follow him. And the nation of Israel was a, was a people of tremendous promise. God promised to do amazing things and did amazing things in and through that nation. And he promised to establish them for years to come if they would continue to obey him. But they didn't. They went their own way. And this lamentation is a lament. It's a dirge. It's a funeral proceeding uh, statement. As, as they deal with the grief and the disappointment of life not turning out the way they wanted it to in their nation. And, and there's tremendous help for us as we deal with the expectations and the disappointment of them not being met in our life today. Uh, here's his description. Right, I'm going to read verses 21 through uh, 24 today. We're going to walk through this. But here's his description of what was going on in the nation and in his life, uh, right before he says this, this, this is what he says. He says he's seen affliction, he's experienced bitterness and tribulation, he's the laughing stock of all his people. In our families or in our relationships, sometimes we, we feel like we're picked on, and people get harsh and critical, we get laughed at, we take offense. 
He's, this is what he's dealing with. Uh, it's, he says it's like his teeth have been grinding on gravel. Mm, miserable. He's had no peace, and he has forgotten what happiness is. This, this is the backdrop of what we're going to read. Look at what he says. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the guidance for us in knowing what to do when others around us are not meeting our needs. How do we respond? What do we do? Jeremiah shows us. He says, first of all, bring the right things to mind. He doesn't dwell on his disappointment. He doesn't focus on all that's not being done around him by the family or others that he expects from them. He focuses on his hope, and he puts his hope in God. Not the people around him, not anything else. He puts his hope firmly in God. He rehearses what God provides For those who trust him, steadfast love, unfailing love, a love that he is not going to give up on you. This is what God provides, mercies that never end. They never end. We we all need mercy because we fail. We drop the ball. These mercies are new every morning, and faithfulness comes from God. It's a faithfulness, a reliability that is great. And he, he never lets us down. And then he tells himself the truth. This is what he says, the Lord is my portion. What, what he's saying there is, the Lord is my inheritance. He's my piece of the pie. I don't need anything or anyone else, but God is my portion. He's the one that I go to and trust in and allow to meet my deepest needs. Many families fight over uh, their inheritance when when their parents die. I have a friend who's an estate attorney, and he grimaces. He has the same, it's, it's it's a look like this. It's like, it is so hard to watch these families fight over their piece of the pie, over their portion, over their inheritance because it's, it's just unbecoming. It's not good. When we fight within ourselves and struggle within ourselves mightily, we, we, we look to others so that we can try to get a bigger piece of the pie, so that we can, we can have more than we already do. And sometimes we struggle because the family is not giving us our portion. Your level of fulfillment in life is going to be determined by who or what you depend on to meet your deepest needs. Jeremiah shows us what to do when we're empty, when we come up empty. He says, I will hope in God. When I bring these things to mind, I have hope. When I dwell on what I don't have and what my family and friends are not giving me, then I despair which leads to frustration and anger and bitterness. He says, the Lord is my portion. 
He's my part of the inheritance. God himself is. I don't need anything else. He is enough. The key to dealing with unmet expectations is to depend on God to meet your needs in his time and in his way. This is how it works. When, when you're frustrated with your family, that they aren't giving you what you expect or need, or they aren't noticing what you want them to notice, whatever it is, you turn to God. Father, I, I was hoping that they would say what a good job I've done, or they would give me some admiration here, but since they didn't, I'm going to trust you to give what I need. I'm going to trust you to give me what I need to stay motivated to do what I need to do. I'm just going to turn to you and let you lead me in this. Lord, I I was hoping that we'd have an enjoyable outing today, but obviously they're crabby and they're being harsh and critical. And God, would you help me? Would you give me what I need to to not get upset, to not blow, and and to, to look to serve the needs of my family. Would you help me with this? We turn to God. God is faithful. It's in these moments that we decide if we're going to go to God as our portion or we're going to try to extract our portion from our family. Cindy's going to come up and again and share with us uh, how she's found God to be faithful to meet her needs uh, when she turns to him instead of the family to deal with her unmet expectations. It's really true. As I've learned to to turn to God to meet my needs, I really have experienced the reality of him coming through and doing that. And I just wanted to share with you a few of those ways. Um, One is when I'm feeling overwhelmed and just maybe weary and tired, I've actually experienced, as I've gone to God, I've experienced him giving me like a sudden burst of energy and and a better attitude to go ahead and accomplish whatever it is that I need to accomplish at that moment. Um, also, God has uh, met my needs by, and this might sound kind of funny, but by actually by a correcting me and just giving me renewed perspective um, when I need it. And that could be just about what, you know, by letting me, gently letting me know what my role is in my relationship to Randy and my family. Um, or also just clarifying what's really most important right now. What is the priority? Um, He's also um, at times just given me a reminder of who I am in him, um, just revealed and reminded me again that I have such value because he died for me that I could know him. And then when I was a young child and didn't really have a way to get to know him, he put a person in my life that let me know who he was. And I had an opportunity to get to know him. And that just, that going back to that reminds me of just how much he values me, and that I don't need to get that from people. Um, also, sometimes it's just a refreshing talk with a friend over coffee. We'll go out, and she'll tell me about her story and what God's doing in her life, and I'm, I'm reminded of, of things that I had forgotten, and God meets my need at that moment. Um, or sometimes it's just an unexpected note of encouragement or thanks from someone that just reminds me that God reminds me that um, I'm here. Um, I can meet your needs. Um, also, I, I've at times just gotten, when I wanted to disturb Randy and what he was doing, I've just gotten an idea of how I could, I could figure it out on my own. I mean, God's given me that, that before, and that's been really helpful in our relationship. Um, also, God's just 
kind of practical things, um, has given us um, gifts of just a sp spontaneous things where we could have a date. Like a couple, about a month ago, a friend um, offered us tickets to an angel game, and it was just one of those days when I was thinking about ready, and I've been had a really busy schedule, like a lot of you, and I was like, I wonder if there's ever a time we're going to get some time, and but I was actually able to take that to God in that moment and say, God, I know you know our needs. Would you just provide for us? And that afternoon, Randy called and said, do you want to go to an angel game tonight? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but just things like that and, and people, you know, being so generous with us and offering ways for our families to have um, fun times together and just sharing their resources with us. God has met our needs that way. Um, and finally, just in regards to our children, um, one of the ways God's met needs a need for me in their lives is just when I hear about the ways that they're um, following God and how they're living life his way. That has been such an encouragement to me and reminder that it's about him and his glory, not about me and mine. Thank you, honey. She's good, isn't she? <laughs> I knew you'd enjoy that. It'd be helpful. Um, well, I found that when I turn to God, he comes through every time. Uh, sometimes it's immediately strengthened in my spirit. Uh, that makes me want to keep doing right and, and not do wrong. Other times, I get into the Bible and he speaks in a way that jumps off the page and encourages me, gives me the perspective I need just at that moment. That's um, why quiet times are so important, getting into the Bible every day, praying. Can't tell you how often I've turned to God, even in the moment when I did not want to do the right thing. If I'll turn to God, he, he, he helps me. He helps me want to. Most of the time, I don't even want to. <laughs> I don't want to do the right thing. I want to do the selfish thing. But when I turn to God, my batting average goes way up. He really helps. He strengthens. Oftentimes, I, I, I have to hang on to him for a while and wait for him to arrange things so that, I can, uh, so that he will meet my needs. I have to wait. That's what it means to wait on God. We wait. That's faith. We have to trust him. And then an encouraging word is said or the need is met in a way I didn't imagine. When expectations aren't met, we turn to God. And we wait on him to provide what's needed. We need to bring the right things to mind. Remind yourself, when you feel slighted by a family member, remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Remember, he's not given up. He loves you with an unfailing love. When someone's harsh and critical, remember this, his mercies never come to an end. When someone disappoints you, bring this to mind, his faithfulness is great. He'll never let you down. God is there. If you turn to God in these moments and endure in faith, trusting him to come through, he will, he does, every single time. So go to God when your expectations aren't met, and then set your heart to meet the needs of others. I want to walk through as I wrap up the message today, just some, some instruction that we have in the Bible on family life and pull out of that uh, what, how God meets our needs through our family as we respond in the right way. But the commands of God in the Bible related to family and everything else are sort of like our instruction manual. I, I use Google as my instruction manual today. If I have a problem, I just Google it and then it comes up and 
And that's, the scripture is the, is the same way. It, 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 God knows our deepest needs. He made us. And he wants family life to, to honor him and please him. So I'd like to walk through this quickly. Husbands and wives, Ephesians 5, 33. It says, the man should love his wife as himself and the wife should respect her husband. Now he said this, God said this, because uh, women have a deep need to be cherished to be seen as valued, valuable, men to be respected and admired. And so as we do this, our deepest needs are met. We can't, we can't focus on what the other person needs to do. We've got to choose what we need to do. And God comes through. For children, it says in Ephesians 6, 1 uh, through 3, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. When, when you obey, if your child's still under the roof of your parents and you obey them, you're still being raised by them. Boy, what joy there is in your obedience. If, if you're out from under their umbrella, what joy in honoring them and showing them the honor that's due them because of their position in your life. For parents, parents, especially fathers, are to create an atmosphere of love and warmth that allows their children to grow and thrive. When our kids know that we love them, not only that we love them, but we like them, we enjoy them, the look, by the looks we give, by the affection we show, they feel secure and significant, and they can thrive in that environment. Here's the way life really works. When you set your heart to bless others, you yourself will be blessed. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. It's when we set our heart to meet the needs of others that the needs of our heart get met. That's not, that's not native to our way of thinking. Fulfillment comes not when we extract our needs from the family around us, but when we turn to God and trust Him to provide what we need to meet the needs of those who are around us. And we set to bless and refresh them. I'd like to wrap up the message today by asking you to think through your next steps. And I have some suggestions written down for you uh, here on the outline. You find it on the back of the connection card and on the uh, listening guide that you have. Um, first one would be memorize Proverbs 11.25. I think that summarizes our focus. Set our, need, our hearts to meet the needs of others. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. And then maybe be great this week just to pick a family member to refresh. Who's someone around that you can meet their need? Who can you show love to this week and refresh them in that way? And then there's some other steps that you may want to take as well. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Our Father, we thank you for the help we find in your word that directs us and guides us and really shows us how to get what we really need. And I pray that you'd give us the grace to turn to you to meet our deepest needs and allow you to work in us and through us in the lives of those around us. God, we ask for your help in this and the power to take these steps. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.